0: Hi guys, welcome to The Sling Den, I'm your host Ben, and today is the very first episode of the podcast, and it's our very first episode, and we have one of the most influential YouTube Slingshot content creators out there, all the way from Canada. Now when I say Slingshot and I say Canada, you're probably guessing who it is, and of course that is Mark from ATO. Hello Mark, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great man, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no, uh, the pleasure's mine. I'm honored to have you on, especially being the first uh, first show that we're doing. Um, so I suppose uh, let everyone know who you are.
1: Well, I'm just uh, Mark. My my full name is actually Mark Abel. I have uh, started this YouTube channel for a while a while ago, and uh, that's really pretty much it. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised I'm actually here, to be honest.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Blown uh, away, even. Yeah. So, how long have you been shooting?
1: Oh, that's kind of a tricky question. Uh, I've only been shooting slingshots, I guess, since around 2018. Okay. Uh, my first video was uh, was actually kind of just by accident. I I was looking through the um, looking through uh, the internet, and I found these flat band slingshots. I've never seen them before in my life, and uh, I've always used those wrist rocket things when I was a kid. But I hadn't shot one in, like 20 years, and uh, I was showing my son I'm like, "Look at this! We should get one for fun." And uh, see how it is and i sh- i got one of those top archery slingshots and that turned out to be my first video and uh we shot through the first two bands i didn't know where to get any more, and i put it on the shelf for like a year and i started back shooting again when uh when um when covid started right okay so i guess cool. right at the beginning of 2019 but uh before that i mean i uh, as a kid I started shooting handguns and rifles, I guess, when I was like uh, ten years old with my dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, we uh, we kind of got out of the sport in my twenties, and then I took up archery for a bit. So that's pretty much where it all where
0: yeah, it all started.
1: <laughs> I just love shooting stuff. <laughs> do you
0: Do you remember what your first slingshot was? I mean, I know you you mentioned the the old yeah. One of the you had, but my you first first
1: slingshot. Mm-hmm. My first slingshot ever as a kid was it was a one of those daisy wrist rocket type things. Uh-huh. You know, the wire frames with the little arm brakes <laughs> yeah. and everything. Yeah, that was it. That was my first one.
0: Back then, they yeah. were accurate, right? But not so much these days now. Not not with the flat bands out there.
1: Oh, yeah. They're nothing close to the accuracy that you can get with those things. That's for sure.
0: And what, what was the first slingshot you got with the flat bands? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, it was a top, top Archery. Um, I can't remember what it was. Tarp Archery Pro. It's actually my first video.
0: Okay. And do you still have it? Yeah, I still have it.
1: Still I can't get it? rid of it. <laughs> it, it's I probably <laughs> a menace and dangerous to shoot, but I, I, can't, I can't get rid of that thing. The clips are on the wrong side. So if it ever releases, you're eating one in the face,
0: you know? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So is it? Is it, I, I know with your videos, a lot of it is target shooting. Do you, do you do any sort of hunting with a slingshot at all or is it primarily sort of target shooting?
1: The problem we have here in Canada with, uh, well, where I live in Quebec, we're not allowed we're not allowed to hunt here with a slingshot at all it's completely illegal but in the neighboring province uh, I am allowed so um, basically my plan was actually last year I bought all my permits for it but I couldn't find any land so yeah I could drive out I could drive out of my province into the into Ontario it'll take me maybe 30 minutes I can go do a hunt there but finding land that actually has access from where I could park my car almost impossible. I've been trying to reach out to some people to be able to start doing these kind of videos mm-hmm. and uh, I I can't I, I can't get it, I can't get any land I'm so it is of... it is in the works but it's I just yeah it's just tough
0: okay well I, I mean I've seen your videos and you're pretty accurate have you um, have you entered any competitions at all is that, is that something that you've done
1: I've never done a competition in my life.
0: Well, it's quite impressive. I mean, you might surprise yourself if you go and enter the one, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I have no idea, like uh, how well I would shoot or or anything like that. I I really have no idea, but I don't know. I I, I would like to try it one day, but uh, mm-hmm. we know ne- we don't have any in Canada. In fact, I don't even know a shooter in Canada. Um, I talked to one guy once in a while. This uh, uh, this guy Shane, he does uh, island uh, island made catapults, mm-hmm. but he lives in uh, in PEI. It's probably around a thirteen hour drive for me. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a, that's a bit of a distance. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit far. So you know? in terms of um in terms of your channel w- what made you start a YouTube channel because by the sounds of things from what you've said um it's almost like they come about at the same time you didn't kind of create a channel because you loved slingshots it was kind of hand in hand you made a channel and slingshots come along or am I am I a bit wrong there in saying well- that?
1: I've actually had a YouTube channel for many years. Like, I think mm-hmm. I started, I had a Bushcraft channel for about uh, six years before I started the Slingshot channel. Um, but basically what happened was, is I had a lot of uh, a lot of videos that were doing really well. And I, I, I just, my channel wasn't growing and I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I basically discovered that I'd made an error in setting up my channel. I set it up as a business account. And YouTube doesn't promote those accounts, so right. I, I just I just couldn't I couldn't get any views. Like my best vi- my best video was um, I think I got like twenty thousand views or something like that. Uh, and this was like over a six year period, wow. and I was doing like a knife build, survival stuff, bushcraft, uh, uh, wild camping, uh, all kinds of stuff, you know, shelters mm-hmm. and everything. And my channel just wasn't working. And uh, I, I said, oh, I started talking around, asking some questions. And then somebody told me that it's because I made it as a business account. And uh, I started this channel ATO to start transferring mm-hmm. over some of my videos to do it. So I made the channel. And then I was like, ah, maybe I'm just going to get out of the game and just forget about YouTube. And uh, I ended up getting this tar- top archery slingshot. Did that first video. Stuck that thing inside. I think I named it like, the, like on, the, on the thumbnail was like the best uh, slingshot on Amazon, something like that. Right. And I popped that up. I didn't even look at the channel for a year. I
0: went back and checked it and it had 80,000 views. Seriously. So you didn't even check it? You just... Well, I suppose you were used to, in a way, you know, not getting any followers, not getting any views on your last channel. You thought, well, why am I going to get some now? And then you, you come back and boom, it's exploded.
1: <laughs> yeah. One, one video on my whole channel, 80,000 views. And I'm like, whoa. Maybe we're onto something here. And I had so much fun shooting that slingshot with my son. Like, for for those people who've seen that video, I mean, I had a swing set with a sheet as my backdrop. We were just shooting cans. And I picked that thing up, and I'm like, how good can it be, you know? And I was blowing up cans, like, right away. And I I just blew my mind. I was like, holy crap. I, I hadn't figured out why that slingshot worked for me or not. Or I didn't even really know what I was doing, to be honest. But for some reason, the channel took off. And I was having fun again, which was, which was mm-hmm. cool.
0: That's the important thing, right?
1: Yeah. So right after right after that, um, the winter came in, so we didn't shoot. And then I, I guess it was like, uh, maybe it was around eight months or so, something around there. I can't remember exactly the, the time frame of it. But uh, February came around 2019. COVID was just starting to creep in. Nobody really knew what was going on. So everyone was staying home. And I'm like, man, I'm going to go crazy if I can't go outside and have some fun. Mm-hmm. So I ordered a Scud LT and the Hammer Pro from GZK. The <laughs> Hammer Pro uh, uh, TTF. It was actually a TTF frame. was one, one of my first. And okay. that's where I uh, just started shooting. And woo, I became addicted.
0: <laughs> okay. Now, I've got a theory on why I believe your channel is so successful. But what, what would you say contributed to your channel kind of getting this, you know, as well viewed as it has uh, up to now?
1: Honestly, man, I can't seem to wrap my head around it.
0: Um, I, try, I
1: try to bring an honest view on things when I'm talking about them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, as I'm figuring things out, I'm trying to be able to deliver to you in a clear, positive way. Uh, because when I was starting out trying to figure out what the hell I was doing, I couldn't figure it out. And there wasn't enough tutorials on things that really mm-hmm. kind of broke things down or actually showed the effects. And uh, that's the road I tried to take. And uh, I'm hoping it's my honesty that people like.
0: <laughs> I don't know from from my point of view. When I when I when I look at your videos, there's no one sort of out there that breaks down perhaps the variety of things that can impact your shooting. Um, and you set up many things, and you talk about how different things can affect your shooting from sort of temperatures, the pouches, and of course, there's many things that that can affect your shooting. But it's also very personal in a sense of uh slingshot shooting is very subjective i mean what works for one person might not work for the other um yeah what i like about the content that you share is you know there might be someone out there that's that's trying to shoot and they're watching all these videos and there's the same things about being consistent about finding your anchor point um about getting your reference point but they're still not hitting the target and i think what kind of resonated with me is You you break certain things down, and it's content on there for people to kind of say, well, I haven't thought about that. I haven't tried that. I mean, (laughs) your recent videos are in the snow, so obviously you're shooting in the cold. And I'm thinking, well, how does that affect it? And you've got the answers there. And obviously you've got the – I can't remember what you call it. It's like um, it measures the speed of the, the ammo, right? Yep. Um, so you're using that as well. So again, very um, kind of direct results of some of the things you're changing. You're changing sort of the bands, the pouches, and then you're giving results each side just to show how much of a difference it makes. Um, w- would you agree with that in, in saying that you, you break down in what I'd probably call as the most scientific or mathematically uh, bro- <laughs> bro- broken down uh, kind of uh, answers for the slingshot uh, shooters out there? Actually,
1: doing those videos it's like uh, I have a question in my head, like why, but like what is really the big difference? And uh, a lot of the, the things that I look into is because of my viewers. Like they'll ask me a question and I'm kind of like, Hmm, let's see. So they end up seeing like a 10 minute video of what I come up with to the end. But really there's like 20 hours of work that goes into that. Like I'm, I'm like, I I pull up like a piece of paper and I start with like uh, all my points. Okay, now how am I going to eliminate this variable? How do I eliminate that variable? And as I'm going through everything, um, that that video that you're talking about with the pouches, Mm -hmm. uh, I was almost happy with that video. Uh, I think that it would have been best if I could have found two pouches, the exact same thing, Mm -hmm. uh, just to eliminate that last variable of possibly having some wind resistance there, but we were pretty close on that one, so I actually, I actually, I let it out, but the, uh, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> I I'm really kind of like blown away sometimes. With some of these things that come up, and and uh, and these things that we're that we're we're talking about, I, I don't know. Even I think it's back. like a little bit beyond my capacity, really, sometimes. But I need to know, and uh, that's it. I just do my best to put it together and get like a a, a good answer for for those who have the same question as me, possibly. You know, and there's many times actually I've done these videos where I'm kind of like, man, nobody's going to watch this crap. I just got to like forget it, move on. They don't want to see trick shots, but I I guess I'm wrong, you know? So now I'm just starting to release everything. And if I have a question, I release it, and I'm hoping it's going to help somebody out, even if it's one person who has that question.
0: I think it depends on – I think it depends with the viewers what they're looking for. I mean, if they're looking for trick shots, of course, there's much. there's a lot of content out there, but I think – especially when I started shooting, I was looking for videos on how to shoot. And what I found was there were a lot of videos out there. And say you got, say say we got five, 10 minute videos. You could watch all five of them. The majority of what people are saying is the same. And it's true. It's, it's not that it's false information. It, it, it It's correct in what they're saying, but there's not, and, and perhaps some things may not be, you know, they may not be worth, Looking into, but what I like about it is you do kind of think about everything, and is, is it a case of you learning on the spot? So when you, you you think about creating a video and you're thinking about perhaps you know the bands or the pouches or the fork widths, are you kind of thinking to yourself, hmm, let's give it a go, and you go and record, or is it kind of planned out and you find out the results first and then record?
1: No, before before I um, before I go out and I do these videos to make sure that I'm trying to bring the most correct. Uh, information possible. I do uh, a field test first, I guess we'll call it. Mm -hmm. Uh, In that video where I was talking about the release on how if your elbow is is not high enough or if it's too high and you kind of speed bump it and go down, uh, I could just say to you verbally like I've done now, but you're not actually going to see the results. Mm -hmm. So when I did that video, I purposely speed bumped down. I purposely speed bumped up with my elbow sagging Uh, I actually plucked the release. So I just kind of like let it go violently, I guess. And, uh, we, we shot on a piece of paper and when that bullet hit, you could actually see where it was going. And then I did a couple of control shots where bullseyes. So proper form, proper comfort, keeping it Mm down. Nice, nice gentle release. And for me, uh, people could talk to me all they want. And, but until I see it in action, that's when it really sinks in. And I think, I think there's others out there too, like that. So, that's my my approach uh, to those kind of videos, hoping that you know it would it would all work out. And I field test at first, take a couple of shots. I'm like, okay, what I'm trying to bring forward is correct. Time to roll mm-hmm. the camera, let's go.
0: Perfect. So what, what does the future hold for ATO? What 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 do you think's what do you think's next?
1: Man, I mean, I I'm really it's all coming you know?
0: out with content because it seems like you have covered so much, man. Like you covered <laughs> I know, so many but different but things.
1: I, I think I think there's definitely um uh, there's going to be more and more tutorials. Like I'm planning on doing, uh, uh, a couple more videos. I don't know if I should air them out here yet, but, um, uh, more, more technique. I mean, uh, there's some things that I think it's kind of, uh, I get questions on a lot like shooting high, shooting low, um, all tips and tricks for this kind of stuff. I mean, uh, I've done some practicing in other videos where I go through the woods and I set up, uh, multiple distances, some high shots, some low shots, some small stuff, some big stuff. And uh, I actually find sometimes shooting on larger targets can be trickier than shooting small small tar- targets. I don't know it sounds kind of weird, but I don't think like when I'm say if I'm shooting at an eight millimeter uh, flipper or an eight centimeter flipper, sorry, and and I'm shooting at a thirty millimeter flipper, the amount of concentration that goes into the two are too different. Like that aim small miss small thing is act, is, is really true. If I take an eight ce- centimeter flipper. And I draw a small dot in the center, and I focus on that dot. I can almost stack the shots on that dot over and over and over again. If I'm shooting the eight centimeter flipper, just plain for some reason, I'm hitting all over that
0: target. You see, like there's, there, kind of, just, there's a few, just, there's a few other things I want to bring up. It's, it's the focus, isn't it? Is it's the yeah. Kind of, uh, I mean, even if you're hitting a can, for example, you're kind of trying to focus on one particular. Point in the can. You're not just looking at the can, and I suppose it's the same sort of thing when you're looking at the size of the flipper.
1: Yep, 100. percent. Like uh, if I was shooting at a at a some kind of soda soda can or whatever it is, I want to shoot at the letter on the on the writing somewhere, yeah, exactly. or yeah. you know maybe the the Canada stamp or wherever it's from, made in the USA or whatever. Try to aim for that little tiny piece and aim at that. Make that your victim. You know, was instead of just shooting at that whole thing as a whole. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, I was actually going to bring on uh, the next subject, which is going to be technique. Um, So we're going to touch on uh, a few things here. Um, But I'm quite surprised that you said, I I thought you'd been shooting for kind of 10 years or so um, from the sort of content you've been putting out there. So well done, man. Like, it's it's pretty good to see how far you've come. But what do you contribute towards you becoming so accurate? Honestly, It It was from as well as technique, or would you say what 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 sort of come first? Because for me, for me, I thought I was doing everything wrong until I swapped a few things out. And then once I kind of found my groove with what I like and what I don't like, my my shooting got you know a lot better. So for you, what what, what would you say is your kind of journey? Well,
1: in the beginning, in the beginning of my channel, I did this uh, I did this um, Quest for Accuracy vlog I think it was probably I think the first one is probably like my third or fourth uh, My third or fourth video coming into this um, Basically what I did was I set up my catch box with a 30 millimeter fl- actually hold on a second. Do I have it on me? Yeah, I do here I'll show you I had this 30 millimeter flipper which is now on my keychain. this little fella right here well wow. you see it's got the uh, A whole bunch of divots in it. That. It's called the wounds. Yeah. <laughs> so I started shooting that little fella 50 shots, 50 shots only from 10 meters away. And I wanted to see how many times I can hit that thing out of my 50 shots. Now my plan was to do 30 days of this shooting that little flipper and calculate how many misses and how many hits I had out of those 50 shots all the way. I think I did 14 episodes in a row and then the work was just overwhelming. I mean, you know, you're having rainstorms and this and that. And I ended up having to shoot two videos in the same day to keep the keep the trend going. And uh, it was very tough. But mm-hmm. from the first time I did that video, I hit that little flipper eight times, which I thought was a huge success considering how mm-hmm. small it was. It's, and I was, yeah. And I was used to shooting cans, right? So then from then to my last video, I think my last video, I hit it 35 times out of 50. Because and that blew my mind. Like, oh man, you know, like we're almost we're coming into like sixty percent area here, you know, or, or more.
0: Is like, and was the homework done then to figure out where that gap kind of closed, where you where that eight kind of turned into the thirty five?
1: Well, I, i'd taken I'd taken my 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 shooting with uh, firearms and shooting with a bow. All the steps going into all of those things, you always have a shot sequence, mm-hmm. so uh for example when i was shooting when i was shooting handguns we'd always line up the sight or shooting the, the rifle got lined up on my sight got comfortable relaxed took a breath slowly released it held it aimed and fired and i would talk myself through these steps all the way through from beginning to end and i mean i was like uh, 10 years old uh, shooting things at 100 yards away with iron sights on a rifle and it wasn't an issue. When I got further on into these, uh, into the, into the archery, they set me up with a shot sequence and they actually brought into my feet as having, having a thing. Cause I was getting a lot of arm slap. Right. So when I was pulling, drawing, my bow was the same kind of issue. If I turned my foot out slightly on a 45, my geometry would change in my arm and it would give me that space of where to shoot from. Mm -hmm. So after having those two shot sequences in my head, I had to develop one for slingshots. And the only, I kind of thought about it methodically. It was basically, okay, I got to get a shot sequence into my head to avoid a few things. One of them was, um, to keep me focused on each movement all the way through. I gave myself a time limit of three seconds. So when I draw, it was one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, then i release. If I couldn't get that amount of time, uh, get on target properly or feel good about it, in that amount of time, I'd abort the shot and then go through my shot sequence again and continue on doing this.
0: Um, I used the camera. You did that consistently throughout the whole uh, kind of period of time between the, the, the two times. Yep. Trying to train my body to get the muscle memory. So mm-hmm. I didn't have any bad habits
1: or try to avoid uh learning any bad habits.
0: But and basically the goal. So do you, do you remember do you remember any sort of bad habits from from your early days? Oh, I had a bunch. I had a I had a, a low elbow, which caused
1: a speed bump. Um I ha- my release was very uh wasn't smooth, it was very mechanical. It was like from from closed hard to open. Um small small uh, tweaks in my in my setup actually corrected that problem uh i was holding always the smooth side of the pouch on the backside, so i felt like i had to grip it more because i had a couple of times i was doing i i did a a different draw uh i think it was fowler was talking about how he used to draw the the thing and then then lift it up Mm -hmm. uh for safety reasons and he is correct on that i'm I'm not going to deny it uh but um I found that if I anchored in my position and then stretched my arm out to meet my target, uh, I had better control. I just had to be more, more, uh, more diligent about looking at my bands. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was pretty much uh, pretty much it. Uh, I had to worry about my elbow. I had to worry about my release being kind of plucky and, um, yeah, that was pretty much, pretty much it. But then, then there came into other things about, about frame size and all that stuff, but we, we can get into that later if, if you yeah. want. So
0: I was actually just going to touch on that because one thing I noticed there is you didn't really mention your, your anchor point or your reference point. Um, and it's very true that you kind of need to find one and stick to it, right? Um, yeah. But when we're talking fork quits, we know that it does affect the shot, right? We know yep. that it affects the shot. So with that, how plausible would it be to say that you can change your, your reference point or your anchor point? And if, if so, which one would you kind of veer towards um, if you were to change your fork with?
1: Well, my anchor tends to be basically the point of my cheekbone. And I like to put my thumbnail right on there. Right, And if you actually look at it, it kind of lines up just directly under my eye. Mm-hmm. So when I'm when I set my shot up, I'm feeling pretty good. I try to open my fingers to give myself enough room uh, for, for for just the slide open, so I'm not uh, battling with my release. Um, the fork width. If you look at almost all the reviews that I've done, I try to get that 90 millimeter fork width. Now, the reason why I do that is because of my big old pumpkin head. <laughs> when I when I line up my anchor point, if I stretch out a 90 millimeter frame and I'm holding it correctly. The bands are gonna be perfectly even from a from a frame that's, like set up like this. My forks are here. My my bands are gonna come straight off off there, taper there evenly. So I have a nice, a nice pull. If I shoot, for example, um, you know, the Evo or or like I've been dying to try like a PPMG or something like this, but the the frame widths or the fork widths are just too wide for me. They're there are like a hundred millimeters or like 95, 97, something like that. If I'm pulling those back, I would have to change my anchor point all the way down here to the corner so of my would, mouth.
0: So you would actually change your anchor point rather than your reference point? I would rather not. Okay.
1: I would actually rather I'd actually rather gap shoot my reference point mm-hmm. and do that, which brings in another problem with TTF, for example. When I'm trying to aim something, say this is my top fork, if I'm trying to aim something, uh, I'm trying to hit my nose, so I've got to cover my nose with a wider fork frame. I'm gonna be up here. I can't even see my target anymore because I have mm-hmm. to lift it up on on a um, on a TTF frame or a OTT. Sorry, I can split. I could split that target. So if I'm my aiming reference here at my first knuckle, I could still line it up with half the target being seen. Nothing's blocked from my view, which is why I choose a. I, I, I'm an OTT shooter, uh, obviously. But um, when you get into uh, when you get into those long, uh, like long distance shots with TTF and all that stuff, I was having problems with it. Uh, wider fork frames—they uh, just make it make the shooting a little bit more difficult from ten meters for me because I have to I have to raise up a little bit higher and shoot off the off the side of the uh, the front of the fork instead of the the side uh, or the fork tip like I like to at ten meters. So mm-hmm. I don't know so, if that answers
0: the question or not. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it does, it does. But what for you, like? I'm I'm the kind of person where if I find something that works, I'm very reluctant to change it. Um, so for you, if you find something that works, um, are you sticking to that? I mean, have you got a go-to thing, a go-to set that you use, or is it just a hobby of yours or an interest to try out different things and and see if you can improve your shots, or is it just the fact that you enjoy testing different things out?
1: Well, I like, I like doing the reviews I think it uh, brings more eyes to the channel as well which is probably a part of my motivation of why I do it mm-hmm. um, I have a couple of frames here that I have that are that are uh, some of my favorites and the reason why I like shooting them um, but as where where everything changed for me was shooting that uh, that um, hammer pro the TtF one mm-hmm There were some days I could pick that thing up and I couldn't miss. And there was other days I'd pick it up and I just, I was frame hitting. I was hitting my hand. Uh, It was just a a giant mess. And I couldn't figure out why. So I ended up buying the OTT version of the Hammer Pro. I shot that one for a while. And that's the frame I started off with uh, doing that quest for accuracy vlog. It's only when I got this guy, my Titan Hunter from uh, Catapult Carnage. Uh-huh. Where everything started to get into my brain about why fork widths are important, and uh, this guy, I got the medium titan hunter, and it's a 90 millimeter fork width, and all of a sudden my shooting instantly got better, like that. Now, I know, I know we're probably going to get some heat on this, but a lot of people say that the frame, a frame doesn't make you better; it's the shooter, and I agree. And I disagree. Here's my approach on this. If, for example, I take a frame that's 70 millimeters wide and I try to shoot that frame, and uh, I'm a big a big fan of Nick Hagerty, the first frame that I got from him was a very, very narrow fork width, and I wanted to love that frame so bad because I, I'm a Nick fan, and I shot, and I shot, and I shot, and I couldn't get that thing to work for me unless I was shooting long draw. So I ended up taking that frame, putting it away, and I got another one, which was the uh, HMH or something like that, uh, about a year and a half later. That frame was 90 millimeters. And man, what a frame. It's, it's a, one of those poly frames, nothing special, but I picked it up and I was just as accurate as that, as with that one, as I was with this one. And it was, it was insane. Like the, the frame width, Here's my approach. I guess the the frame width is kind of like if you're an athlete and you're a sprinter and if I put you in shoes that are too big, you're not going to run your best. You're not going to run your fastest. If I give you a slingshot that actually fits your anchor point, fits your your style and everything is perfect and like you're going to shoot really, really great with that slingshot, much easier than you will with a slingshot that you got to try to figure out how to shoot. Exactly. Now, there are people that may have a narrow, narrower face, and when they're shooting, they can get away with a shallower cup so their fork length isn't as long. There are people that the distance between their eye and their anchor point is somewhere around that 50-50 mark between a, for a 100-millimeter uh, um, frame, and they're going to shoot great with that, but they're going to struggle with a 90, and they may shoot higher all the time. So this this is where I, I come at it with. If you're going to shoot, Naturally, the way your body is shaped will be more comfortable with a frame that has a specific uh, frame width. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't agree with changing your anchor point all the time because that that will give you um, an inconsistent anchor point problem where you're constantly feeling like your thumb belongs there or however it is you anchor and uh, it can cause you problems. It's so consistent. essentially
0: what you're saying is it's not so much one size fits all and you need to kind of adapt and find something that works for you. And I've got, uh, for the longest time, I used the Wasp Unifox, which is an 87-millimeter uh, uh, width on. And yep. I've gone over to a 90, uh, fairly, re- fairly recently actually. And because I had shot 87 for so long and I was used to my uh, my reference point being in a certain place. It was very strange because I thought, well, I don't have to make that adjustment anymore. I can just line the tip of the fork up and I'm going to hit. Um, but it, it it didn't work until, until I swapped some bands over. I did a little bit of digging with my tapers and, and then it was there. So it, it's, it is playing around and I wouldn't recommend to new shooters to change too much Um But there's definitely something there where you do need to have a play around. And and it goes back to what you're just saying about sort of it isn't necessarily one size fits all. You do have to find something that fits your needs.
1: Absolutely. A hundred percent. Every setup has to be set up for the shooter. There is no perfect frame. There is no perfect band set. There is no perfect pouch. There's no perfect ammo. There's many many shooters that are out there that will tell you, oh, use this taper. I happen to use this taper. Um, really? I, I mean, I get asked all the time, what's the best band set for this? What's the best band set for that? Really, it comes down to, the only thing I really kind of stick to is, what is the lightest draw weight with an acceptable speed for you to shoot to do whatever it is you want to do with your slingshot? Mm-hmm. So if you want to hunt, are you getting enough speed to be able to kill your game? If you want to shoot your target frame, your, your shoot targets, are you getting enough speed to actually get down there and shoot it consistently where your draw length or draw weight is actually the lightest as possible? Because the less you have to hold here, the more stable your whole form is going to be. And that's and- that's the only thing I can say that should be the same for everybody. Besides that, your choice on bands, choice on on, on uh, pouches, and choice on frame is totally up to the shooter.
0: And I think also it's worth mentioning that you, ha- you kind of have to be comfortable because – Obviously, you're practicing a lot, so you need something that's comfortable in terms of the grip on the uh, on, on the fork itself. You kind of need to make sure that the pouch hold, so whether that's the pouches or, as you said, how, how, how much you need to hold hold that band and how much tension you got um, is going to yeah. reflect how you're going to be able to hold it at the other end. Um, so for me, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of that. I want to be comfortable. Because I want to enjoy it and I don't want to be firing something that is, a, it, it, you know, it, it's caused me problems. and having to really kind of strain. and re- So, so it, do you find that you've got your favourites in that sense where um, the setup itself is comfortable and not necessarily talking about accuracy um, and power, but in terms of actually fitting yourself to feel comfortable when you're shooting?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I started, uh, I've been talking about that Cygnus frame uh, I've had for quite a long time. And uh, actually, I don't know if I, I can pull it up here and give you a quick look there. This little beauty, I'm sure you've seen this in my videos a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to like to shoot that guy uh, with uh, Gong Chi White 0.5. Mm-hmm. Now, Gong Chi White is not the fastest band out there. I don't even tune it to get the full potential out of it. Um, I shoot it so I know that when I'm target shooting, it's going to get down to where I want to. Wherever I'm pointing my fork tip, it's going to get down there and it's going to hit that spot. Um, basically, uh, my reference point. I use my fork tip as a sight. So wherever I'm releasing my fork tip or my ammo, I want that ball to hit where my fork tip's pointing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I go over this all the time, and that's why I, I try to, you know, I, I try to say it to all new shooters. If you're holding out your frame, when you release that pouch, count two seconds after the, that ball is gone. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. Then drop your arm. That'll Rather that'll keep old. you from pulling your shot.
0: I suppose yeah. the same releasing that you know when you release the ball too, it's not a case of releasing and you are dropping your hand. It's a it's 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 almost, yep. yeah, your hand doesn't move. You're just letting it slip through the fingers, right? Yep. All movements should be small, small mm-hmm. and smooth. So, once you
1: pull it up here, you're you're comfortable just whoop, just open it up enough for it to slip out. I know uh we used to talk when we were shooting uh, uh you know shooting firearms was whenever the bullet uh, or whatever, whenever the gun fires, it should be a surprise. So when you're you're aiming, you're slowly shooting, slowly shooting, slowly shooting, you're pulling, you're pulling, you're pulling, you should be able to abort that shot anytime. You should be in full control, but it should be slowly, 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 click, boom, that's it, it's gone. Same as archery, same as slingshot shooting, all of it.
0: And what, That's my approach, anyway. For, for new shooters, if you could pick three things, three bits of advice you could give a new shooter, what would it be?
1: Don't start too heavy, which is probably the first one. The uh, reason why I say that is um, way back, I did a video shooting. I used to shoot uh, precise point six five. Very, very nice bands. I did, uh, I think it was like 10 shots on a paper target, and you see how my shots went. And then, I, uh, if I remember correctly, I don't remember the brands, but I think I went down to GZK.5, and I watched my grouping go from like this to like this. And uh, I wanted to show the differences of this. Go lighter, go, and it, it, if you go lighter, your groups go tighter. And that was pretty much it. So I guess that would be the first thing. The second thing would be um, is actually videotape yourself shooting. The reason why I say that is, Sometimes you're shooting you're shooting at a, a target and you don't really know what's gone wrong uh, something you, you feel like you' you're, you're comfortable but then your arm starts to starts to droop uh, and then all of a sudden your shots are going wonky and you can't figure it out
0: especially when it, that frustration kicks in right because yeah, you see, yeah that's, people, you see a lot of people missing and then they're like straight away they're loading up another ball and it's boom. They, and again, they frustrated, they're flustered, and they're not actually concentrating too much on the technique. They're just waiting for that shot to hit the target, right?
1: Yeah, and I think I think that's the big difference between good practice and bad practice. Mm-hmm. Is you don't want to be able to, you don't want to shoot until you start getting too tired, because when you st- start getting too tired, that's when your your form falls apart, or you get tired, or you end up you end up going crazy. And that's why when I did the quest for accuracy video, I only shot fifty shots. That was mm-hmm. the whole reason for it. Was get my good fifty shots in, concentrate for a certain amount of time that you feel you can actually hold. You know, go through all the steps over and over and over again without getting tired or having hand cramps or anything like this. So uh, definitely um, don't overload yourself with with weight. And uh, when when you're shooting, good practice. Follow through your shot sequence. Let them let each each shot go. And when you start seeing yourself getting tired. Hit one more good shot where it lands, you know, and then call know. it quits. And on a good note. That's important. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so what are we at now? We're at?
0: That's t- so you've got – what was the first one?
1: So don't overload your weight. Don't overload Shoot your weight. Shoot a comfortable weight. band set, so lighter draw.
0: Which I like. Record, I like yeah, you record your you yourself for sure so you
1: can troubleshoot That's your that. issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one, I know people don't like this. But when you're shooting flippers or you're shooting cans, you could just be coming off the edges of things or whatever it is. Can's too big of of a target. Find yourself a small target. Yeah, you're going to miss a lot in the beginning, but that doesn't matter. Shoot paper. Because if you're shooting a flipper and you miss, you don't necessarily know how much you miss by. If you're even up, if you're low, if you're left or right, when you're getting your practice shots in, always take your aim. Walk through your shot sequence, shoot paper, and you're gonna know exactly where you went wrong. Oh man, I'm three inches off to the right. I don't know why. Well, you walk on down there, you check it out, you come on back, hit hit rewind on your on your uh, on your on your device, and find out exactly where you went wrong. Oh man, I just noticed my elbow dropped on that one. I got to remember to keep my elbow up. Oh, my my release was a little bit violent. This is what the problem is. And usually it's a release. It's a release issue.
0: And then you make the adjustments. You do the same yes. thing again. And yep. that's what I guess we'd call good practice. Yep.
1: And don't don't overshoot. Just practice your shots. Do maybe uh, uh, like what I do is I have my paper target set up. I'll shoot 10 shots. I'll have a look at it. Okay. We're looking pretty good. Switch to paper. Shoot 10 shots. And as I go on, usually my grouping starts to get a little bit bigger because you're shooting over and over and over again, and you're not taking your time, uh, pacing out your shots. You get kind of robotic with your with your shooting, and it go, it, you, You'll find your your shots pick up a little bit. It's always good to shake yourself out, relax a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, just trying to trying to pace everything out more comfortably, and you'll find you'll find that your your grouping and your consistency uh, gets better.
0: Okay, so let's talk setups. Um, I'm going to throw a very difficult question at you. you're ready for it if you could pick one setup on one setup only give me the fork the bands the pouch the ammo
1: oh so so okay (laughs) we're talking about one slingshot one
0: slingshot one band one band one pouch and one ammo yep man That's a tough one. And then let's add OTT or TTF. Okay, for me, OTT, right away, Mm -hmm. easy one.
1: So that would be definitely it. Um, Man, I don't know if I had to pick one, eh? Well, I've done a lot of testing recently. uh, And I just released a video, actually. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but... (sighs) No, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) <laughs> I think I, I think I think I think if we we're gonna if I was gonna pick one it would probably be my my Cygnus from Prime Fork. Uh, I've done some amazing shooting with that thing. Uh, as is it that, stands, it would be that
0: sort of some sentimental kind of thing too.
1: No, no, no. I, yeah. I I actually saw a big a big jump in my shooting with that, and it's due to the grip on that frame. Um. I tried there. The, I recently did a review on the Bolt on that frame, too, and it was uh, more comfortable. But for some reason, I just couldn't shoot as good with it, no matter what. Yeah. And uh, the, this Cygnus, uh, it's got this this nice narrow waist in there, and it really locks in my hand real nice. Um, the fork and length
0: what of them what seems you, to be sorry. great. What's your sorry. go-to grip? What was that? What is your go-to grip? Oh, I'm a, I'm a thumb brakes guy thumb brace okay yeah
1: definitely a thumb brace guy um, yeah anyway so basically I guess the Cygnus would be my frame it's good got a good 90 millimeter frame on it uh, if I was gonna change anything about that I'll get rid of that fiber optic sight I don't like it um, and I, again uh, my bands would be gone gong, gong Chi 5, uh for target shooting for sure and uh, I really like warrior Mongol pouches in kangaroo leather the blue ones. It makes a difference.
0: <laughs> I've not tried them. I have to invest.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The blue ones, the blue ones are a little, they seem to be a little bit more firm and thicker. And they're, they're a little less comfortable in the beginning. But as you start shooting them, they're really, really nice. They, they break in nice, almost like a pit locating pouch. It's kind of crazy. The ball will actually pocket out the inside of that, uh, inside of that pouch. And they're absolutely beautiful to shoot with. The uh, the red ones kind of stretch out a little bit more, and the the plain brown ones are a little bit too thin, so they kind of wear on your fingers after a while. But the blue ones are sweet,
0: and I'm assuming they're designed for those purposes of having different feels. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. And, and... Uh,
1: actually, uh, I, uh, if I had the if this is allowed, mm-hmm. there is a there is a uh, a second pouch actually uh, that uh, my buddy Wes Mitchell sent me. He made some uh, some pouches out of kangaroo leather that are very similar in size, but a slightly different shape than the warrior Mongol pouches. And those are really, really
0: nice too. Good. Good. And in terms of equipment, I know it's hard to say because we've got to think about everything when we're talking about equipment, but if you were to, if you were to speak to a beginner, what would you say matters most when, when we're talking about equipment?
1: Well, I guess the first thing would be, uh, I don't know if you guys, um, you guys noticed in my videos when I'm doing reviews on on slingshots. I recently started doing slow motion slow motion close ups of how the grip uh, reacts in your hand after releasing a shot. For me, I think one of the most important things all the way around is how a frame feels in your hand and the grip of it. If you're trying to shoot um, and you feel that frame slipping around a little bit, it might it might be an issue uh, that can cause you problems from you know, when you're, when you're releasing it and the, the frame is slipping in and out of your hand and all that stuff. To me, that's not um, a well-designed frame. You probably should be able to hold it with a, a slightly firm but relaxed grip. You shouldn't have to squeeze it with a death grip. The design of it should keep your hands close to the forks. You shouldn't be slipping down. Um, when you wrap your fingers around it, you should be able to get your fingers just right about around, around the whole thing so it locks into your palm, and when you're getting ready to let go, uh, it doesn't slip off your thumb uh, from the recoil. Guess- and uh, usually, as long as you can get your hands up close to the forks, you won't have that. So, choosing a frame, how uh, on the grip, that would be uh, where uh, where I would say to go for.
0: And that's what I was just going to say because there are a lot of um, there are a lot of slingshots out there. that are kind of um, one size fits all, and they can meet the needs of any grip. Um, but then of course you have got these purpose-built slingshots for the grip. So I'm a pinch grip, um, and it made a huge difference to me actually going and and getting a a slingshot that is purpose-built for the pinch grip. Um, and I guess what I would personally recommend is to get one that kind of fits all the needs. But once you find out what you like, then perhaps do some research and find out what other people with the same sort of, um, you know, using the same sort of grip as yourself would, would do. Um, and then go from there. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. Um, like, uh, for example, depending on the frame you're picking, I've got a, have uh, got a scout LT here, which is usually designed for pinch grip. Um, but it can be, sh- I shoot it actually thumb brace. Uh, it'll work both ways. This kind of frame is probably, probably my go-to, uh, uh, that I tell people if they're going to be starting out to go with a Scout LT. Uh, I like I like the frame width of it, but it's got a few other good things about, uh, about it, like uh, the fact that you've got multiple choices on how to hold it. You've got multiple choices on how to shoot it. You can set it up in OTT or TTF. Um, they're rel- relatively uh, reasonably priced. I mean, not the uh, LE like this one, but the regular pr- uh, plastic uh, frames, uh, the molded frames. All of those... Slingshots like that are great because you can, you can, they're a good beater. You can frame hit them and they're gonna, they're gonna survive. You can shoot it multiple ways, figure things out and what you like if you're more of a TTF guy or an OTT guy. Um, my only knock on that is that the fork tips are a little bit on the narrow side, but I mean, a 20 millimeter fork tip, you can still get a good, a good band set on there, but uh, that's pretty much the kind of style I would I would suggest to anybody. And not necessarily a uh, a simple shot frame, but any frame where you can kind of feel I it out it in the a beginning. Frame
0: that's going to allow you to shoot in different ways, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, you've got your your wrapping and you've got your clips. Um, what's your take on that? Do, do you think that affects the shooting at all? I
1: don't know. Uh, I, I I'm not a fan of wrapping tuck. Just because I I don't know, for some reason, these big old sausage fingers or whatever it is, I have a hard time. I have a hard time doing it. Uh, When I switched to, um, I've got this guy here. It's the Ranger Reeker from Pocket Predator. I started using that tape uh, that actually sticks them on there. I mean, this stuff holds fantastic. You can really give a good tug on there. I'm not worried about that coming off at all. And it makes life much, much easier for us uh, with guys with these big caveman hands, you know?
0: And I suppose if you are going to be changing bands, not that it's something that a lot of people do, but especially if you're looking to um, do different things, for example, it could be that you're well-established with shooting, um, but you're switching between sort of target shooting and hunting, and you you want to be able to change out. The clips is definitely the way to go in that sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, the clips are pretty nice, but you always have to carry a tool with you, right?
0: Mm-hmm. If you're well, going
1: to go wrap and tuck...
0: Um, Yep, um, which sorry, uh, the people listening can't see it's the the s96 and what i like about this one is it actually has the tool screwed into the bottom oh Um, wow so so you just you can just take that out um of the bottom there um and that'll that'll do your your clips for you um but yeah that is true a lot of them don't come with that so you are having to carry an extra tool yeah but i mean The only thing is I find with wrap and tuck frames
1: versus uh, clip frames is how I, I mean, you guys have seen how I draw my, my shot. I anchor and then I pull. I can't do that with this frame. Bill, Bill Hayes actually has a video where he puts a dot on there. If I draw normally, like I normally do with this frame, I always tend to hook a little bit left for some reason. If I do it this way and I pull back, I'm spot on. So I think it has to do with something. If you see here, the top of the frame, the top of the elastic actually wraps around there a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if, if I stretch it like this, it has a natural tendency to kind of come a little bit higher over the forks and loops it around. This is what I'm assuming. Uh, Maybe it's just a problem with me and how I shoot it. I don't know, but I know that if I'm going to, if I'm going to shoot, um, if I pull it back like this, I don't have an issue with it at all. And Bill uh, demonstrates this, and he has his dot. It actually stays right there on the fork. Uh, when he does it the other way around, it stretches around to the top of the fork, which kind of proves the, the theory a little bit. That's that's my only complaint about uh, about that, but that, again, is my shooting style. I like to, sh- to start from here and stretch out.
0: Gonna, I, I don't have that problem with that. clips. I was going to ask about that. You, you, you tend to get your anchor point first. And then you stretch out. Where did that come from? Because of course you've mentioned that you've done archery before, which is sort of backwards. You would do it the other way around, right? So where, yeah. where did that come from?
1: Well, that was that was my my issue with the inconsistent anchor point uh, when I was doing. A, here, here's the thing. I mean, you've been you're, you're a shooter, and you know there's sometimes you pick up your frame, you're lining up for your shot, and it just doesn't feel right. You can't really figure out what the deal is. That happens so much more often when I was drawing here and then bringing everything up to my face like fowler did like even there i'm not even on my anchor point i'm beside it so I, my whole focus was if i want to get consistency i have to be consistent with how i hold my frame how i draw my frame how i anchor my frame the gear i'm using everything's got to be consistent from top to bottom from gear to how i stand to how i posture my body how much i tilt my head when i shoot all of that's got to make a difference so to eliminate one of the variables, touch it here. Oh, it doesn't feel right. Adjust. Oh, there it is. Okay, boom. Stretched out. Instead of doing the whole thing and then reaching here, and then again, I did it. Not in the right spot, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's sense. why I was trying to no, eliminate the inconsistent anchor point.
0: It definitely makes sense. Um, so you, you touched on earlier the fact that um, in, in Canada itself, the scene isn't necessarily huge on slingshots. Um but do you feel that there's been a rise in popularity over the last few years globally? Yeah, I do. I think I think there's a lot more people getting into the sport. Um,
1: you know, with uh, with the slingshots coming more and more mainstream. There's a uh, you know guys like uh, Adam Rayner. Sorry if I, I you know if I said his uh, his name wrong, but having the magazine, um, all of these things, it's like uh, it's kind of cool. There's more and more things you know people coming out and youtube videos and uh you know people doing these trick shots what is going to draw eyes to the to the to the sport um it's just I, I think it's growing i really do i hope it is anyway
0: for me it was it was kind of unknown um that you could be so so accurate um the first time i seen it was wayne from katishak i don't know if you've yeah um, seen anything from him with the, the evos um but i think it just it was a suggestion because i follow a lot of sort of hunting pages and fishing pages and just general outdoor stuff and i seen him kind of lining up a few pigeons with a slingshot i was like there's no way i was like there's no way you can be accurate and it just blew my mind um but i mean with with the the content out there like you said and the slingshots i mean part of the hobby is buying a new slingshot you're waiting in, you're waiting for it to come in the post you're excited and i think you know, once you're hooked, you're in. But how do you think, as a community, we can we can make it grow?
1: Well, I think um, probably one of the best things I think we can do is you know when they have these—I uh, don't know if you guys have these over the UK, but over here in Canada, we have these uh, these like little fairs and stuff. The little cities will have these city days or whatever it is. Yeah. It would be awesome for kids to be able to set up. Uh, you know, to set up these little, little these little small shooting ranges where these kids can come up and try it. You know, set up a pyramid of cans like they like they would at uh, at a country fair or something like that, and have these kids shoot them. I, I can guarantee the first time that kid knocks down a can, he's going to go ballistic, and yeah. that's where it's going to start. Get them, get them, uh, teach them how to learn uh, how to shoot it. Have access to it. Uh, I mean, here in Canada, there's there's nothing like that at all. I've never heard of any any shooting groups or anything so never a tournament nothing actually i think there's maybe two or three guys that i talked to that shoot in my country that i know of and everybody else is
0: elsewhere is, <laughs> it,
1: it doesn't exist you know but i think that's how how it's the best way to do it is get the kids hooked on it they're going to find the joy in it just like taking a kid fishing or, or anything else like that and then slowly but surely uh, as they grow i think uh I think some of them are definitely going to stick with it. They're going to love it, and it's going to keep growing. I think that's the best way to do it:
0: oh, get a slingshot
1: in their hands, show them how to do it properly, teach kids to shoot. Best thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's one of those things is 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 inexpensive. It, it doesn't cost much at all. It's such an inexpensive hobby, um, and I suppose you know, like you said, you kind of started back up with COVID and things like that. You don't need anything. You, you know, once you've got your slingshot, you need a backyard, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you need to travel. You need to do different things. Um, obviously, you can travel if you want to do a bit of hunting or there's uh, competitions and things like that going on. But um, to actually start shooting, you just need to pick up a slingshot. Yeah, fact, absolutely. You can actually, pick up. Uh, you can go and cut down your own natural. You know, if needs be, I mean, I wouldn't suggest it, and you should. But it is that easy. It is that simple.
1: It really is. I know when uh, when we were tiny, we were like really, really young. We started playing uh, war games in the woods behind my old uh, behind my old house with uh, paintballs, uh, Y forks, and bicycle tubes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we cut them out with scissors and everything. Like they didn't even last very long. But that was probably my first time ever shooting a slingshot, and that was maybe over one summer or so. We saw these uh, these little kids that uh, that moved into the area. I think they were from Haiti or something like that, and they were they were shooting these slingshots with rubber bands and with a lot with a, like rubber tubes, bicycle tubes, cut, and that's what they were
0: shooting. We were just like, kind wow, of, ah, there's got to be a better
1: option than that. But
0: I suppose do, do you think we could be sat here in 20 years time, looking back at what we're using today? Do, do you think that they that they can go further? Because I'm sure back then they probably didn't really think that you could get more accurate and more power. It was just a slingshot a slingshot, obviously with modern day technology and um, you know, everyone in, involved in the community trying different things. And it, it, that, that's where I've seen the growth personally is the development in equipment. But do you think there's a next step? Do you think there's this, we're going to be able to go further? Or do you think we've hit a plateau and generally what we've got right now is going to be the best we've got?
1: Oh no, no. I think, I think definitely. I mean, Just just for an example. I know I know this this frame actually gets a lot of hate This is actually a huge step forward in a lot of a lot of slingshots. This is that axiom x from simple shot Mm -hmm. Having a frame that you can actually fine-tune to your size um, Go all the way from 100 millimeters down to a smaller size on a frame and actually change How the frame feels in your hand by moving other parts of it? uh, That's kind of like a small step forward for us today, but in the future, I can really definitely see them somehow finding a better elastic. I think that's where most of the technology is going to come from. Uh, is actually the the elastic on getting maybe more speed with less draw weight, uh, that kind of thing for accuracy and whatnot. I think it's probably where we're going to find all of our uh, all of our um, all of, all of our uh, advancement in the sport was actually mm-hmm. having lighter rubber with faster retraction. With less weight, and on the pouch too, on the pouch side as well, having lighter materials, that's where I think the uh, the um, the the sport's going to go forward. I mean, in as we're looking at them now, all all these forks seem to be uh, traditional, and in, in, in you know maybe they're going to come out with some that you can actually go to a custom guy and you're going to squeeze it in your hand, and it's actually going to fit you like a glove. Maybe that's something that's out there. I don't know if anybody's ever done that Do before it. or not. But
0: Do it. ATO. Yeah. Sweet
1: shots, right? <laughs> uh, how cool would that be? Eh? That would, Show up I'd at your custom it. maker. You just squeeze some kind of template, and all of a sudden he creates something for you that's going to fit you perfectly.
0: And that sounds good. That sounds good. And as we're on the topic of rubbers, um, where, where would you retire a band? Because I know a lot of people will kind of wait until they see a tear, or they wait until... but. From my experience, I have actually lost accuracy just purely because I've been using a band for so long. Do you have a certain time frame where you change your bands over, or...? Yeah, uh, well, that, that comes up to the shooters as well, right? Because, like, a lot of times I set up
1: my bands so I'm pretty close to the... I have them pretty close to maxed out. When I do my uh, my, my my band reviews, I try to stretch them out, So when I draw them, they stop at my anchor. So I'm getting the most uh, stretch out of it. Now, I have done some messing around with it to see what would be the difference if if I had like a half inch longer. And that actually, actually that little half inch that's there, or that uh, two centimeter spot, makes a difference in speed. There's a lot of juice in that little bit. I tend to set up my my bands when I'm shooting personally, not when I'm testing, so I can pull it from here. I can go back about an inch, so that that little extra that little extra bit um, kind of fatigues my bands a little bit quicker than normal. I typically get around 300 shots out of a band set, but my performance stays the same from beginning to end. And because I taper my bands, I always get a tear by the pouch.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Personally, I believe that I'm actually shooting a safer band set. I'm getting 300, 300 shots. Well, say three hundred shots plus. So I'm probably getting around in between three and four hundred shots out of out of a band set. It's not that much. I know a lot of people want longevity, and they think they can get maximum speed out of longevity that doesn't exist. You can. It's kind of like a seesaw. The more weight you put on speed, the more the more, uh, the, the, the less your bands are going to last and so on, you know, Mm -hmm. but the, uh, I, for me, as soon as I start seeing any, any, uh, nicks, chips, scuffs, or scratches in my bands, uh, especially if they're anywhere near the fork end, they come off.
0: Done. Done. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. If they're at the pouch end, well, sometimes I shoot until they pop. (laughs) (laughs) Just for fun. (laughs) Yeah. Just for fun.
0: Yeah. Uh I've got some. Uh, I've got some fan questions here for you. So a, a few oh, people cool. kind of, have uh, written in, and we, we, we've got some questions. So this one's by Elliot McGowan. So Elliot says, "Have you ever had any injuries from shooting slingshots?" Never. Not However, even a thumb hit. Eh? A thumb hit? No. No, I've never had
1: a thumb hit, but I did hit actually the webbing of my hand when I was shooting that thing. But uh, I was luckily, I was shooting clays. So it was kind of like a, like an oh shit moment, but that was about it. No damage, you know, no damage. But I did have a couple close calls. I was shooting Gong Chi Green and um, I was trying to see what kind of speeds I can get out of them. And I was shooting long shots, like 20 meters. And I did have a very close call. I was getting really weird random breaks with these bands and I checked my bands. Everything looked good. I went out and I pulled and it snapped right at the fork. It came back and hit me right in the brim of the cap. If I wasn't wearing a cap, I would have caught that in the eyeball, and I could have been in all kinds of trouble. Wow.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, that was
1: that was my closest thing to an injury.
0: And still no safety glasses. <laughs> no.
1: Oh, actually, no, 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 no safety glasses. <laughs> actually, and the reason why I stopped shooting these guys, these little metal flippers, was because I actually shot one, the steel bounced off the flipper, came right back and hit me in the lip.
0: Whoa. That could have at been 10 bad. meters. Again, that could have been bad. That could have been bad. So I stopped shooting.
1: I stopped, I don't shoot metal flippers at all anymore. That's it.
0: Okay. So they make the next,
1: cool keychains, though, I'll tell you that much.
0: It does look cool. It does, <laughs> it's a reminder. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, as a reminder. The next question we got is by Ross. So Ross says, what is your favorite band size and taper? My
1: favorite band size and taper to shoot. Uh, I like 0.5. 0.5, I do a lot of 0.5 stuff. I do With some. Eight,
0: eight, eight mils, right? 8 mil ammo. Yeah, and I'm an 8
1: mil way. ammo guy. So I, I like to shoot point uh, five. 0.5. Um, there's a lot of them that I do like. Actually, 0.552. Like in I guess we'll say in the 0.45 to 0.55, but usually the 0.5 is my is my go-to. Uh, and I like to 22 to 12. Cool.
0: Um,
1: yeah, it gives me it gives me probably the uh, a very reasonable speed with a very comfortable draw weight, which is why why I chose that.
0: Okay, good, good answer. There we go, Ross. There's your there's your question asked and your answer given. So the next one's by the inaccurate shooter. How can we slingshot shooters gain popularity globally and reach more people? I guess we've already touched on that. Um, would there be any more um, you'd like to add to that? But just so we know. Um, the inaccurate shooter also says, because I, I'm not sure whether you've seen it, but on uh, on the Instagram page, I posted up a question mark with the, the maple leaf at the bottom as a little clue to who the guest was going to be today. Um, and he actually messaged me and he said, oh, that's ATO, that's the ATO, I love that guy. And I quote, I wish he was my dad. Oh,
1: my <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm just a dude who shoots stuff in his backyard, man. <laughs> i'll take fishing though i promise you that bro how about
0: that yeah i think we've touched on uh... it um a little bit but i i I don't know i I don't know how we do it i I suppose as uh social media and youtube it's it's, i mean it's still growing i mean you wouldn't think it but it is still growing yeah um we, we will reach more people um but what, what I would personally say is just have fun. Um, of course, I'd love to have people close by that can go and shoot with. Um, but just enjoy it. And, you know, if you can get other people involved, then go ahead and do it. Introduce people that you may not think would be interested. Have a word with them, you know, get them out with you, get them shooting and go from there. That, that would be my advice. But what about yourself? Uh,
1: if we're talking about actually growing the sport, I think there's two things that really need to happen. One of them really has got to be, like I said before, you know, uh, teach people about the sport, teach a kid to shoot. Most importantly, everybody who's got a slingshot out there has got to shoot responsibly. I know a lot of people like to carry these frames around, but it doesn't take much when you're walking down the street and you see a rat and you want to pop it, and you miss your shot, it ricochets, hits somebody's window, the next thing you know, you're in the newspaper, they're complaining to the city, and they're, they start passing laws. This is the most thing that it's got to be. If you're going to be carrying a slingshot, if you're going to be shooting a slingshot, just don't be stupid about it. Shoot responsibly. Have a great time. Teach everyone how what to do, but don't bring any stigma to the sport because that's going to put a halt to it real quick.
0: 100%. And there was a case um, – there was an article that I read quite recently, actually, here in the UK where um, – someone put a nursery window through with a slingshot. Ah. Um, Now there's no saying whether this was uh, done on purpose or whether, whether it was an accident, but I can take my slingshot. I can walk out of my front door. I can go into the woods and shoot it. And for me, that's amazing. (laughs) I live near woods. I can just go out and shoot. And I think if it does gain publicity in that sense, then it's, it's going to strip us right back. I mean, it, we're going to take many steps back. Um, for the most part, I'd like to think most people are quite quite responsible with their shooting, but that is actually a very good point you make there. Mm.
1: I, the, the reason why I bring that up is sometimes, like, like I had an issue with one of my neighbours. Um, I was in my backyard. And I know I had that little blue catch box kind of hanging on my fence. Uh, I did a video on building it, and I was shooting at that. And, um, in behind that thing, I had these long, tall pieces of, uh, they call them fragmites here. It's like a long, tall grass with a big poofy thing at the top. And, uh, I was on my, in my yard and I I figured I'd challenge myself a little bit because the wind was kind of blowing them like this. And I was kind of trying to time my shot so I could shoot it and hit the stalk of it and cut it down. (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) I was I was because actually just shooting at these things, and she thought I was shooting at birds. Right. Right? And uh, she made a comment, are you shooting at birds over there? And I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, I have no problem with hunting, all that stuff. I'm totally into it, but I'm not killing anything I'm not eating. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to be shooting at no little sparrow or, or a mouse or anything like that. It, I'm not interested in that. I'm just cutting the grass down. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? And it took me three shots, but I showed her. Baff. Thing came down, and she's like, oh, okay. And then I thought to myself, anybody else is watching me here could think I'm just shooting at critters or or anything, or at the Mm -hmm. train going by, or who knows. So I decided that whenever we have a train coming by or anybody's walking along the tracks or whatever it is, everything gets put away until they're cleared out of the area, and I mean completely gone, because it just takes one Karen on the train to say, hey, that guy was shooting at the train. I never shot the train in my life, but Mm – I'm trying, to, I'm trying to protect what I
0: got, you know? That's a very, very good point you make there. Um, the next question is by Brandon Foster. What makes a good beginner slingshot? I mean, we're, we're covering all these. <laughs> we, we've covered all these already. but <laughs> um, No, I, I, I think, um, as you said, find one that kind of meets all the needs to begin with. And then maybe look into, um, from what you've learned from that one particular slingshot, go on and then advance and find something that suits your needs. Yeah, agreed. I, I think the best thing would be is if you actually know another shooter,
1: instead of doing like what I did was like buy three or four different slingshots uh, and then all of a sudden you accidentally find one that really fits you, is if you know somebody who shoots, get out there, take a couple of shots, see how it feels, and eventually there's going to be one where you all of, all of a sudden start hitting the target, and I would lean towards something more along those lines. I, mean, I think that's probably the best bet if it's possible.
0: Um, we have um, we have some pages on social media here in the UK where um, it's, it's like a swap and trade. Which um, I'm not sure where Brandon Foster's from, but if you're from the UK, I would UK UK I would suggest you look at those because if you've bought a number of slingshots and perhaps you don't like them for whatever reason, there will be someone out there that can swap with you, and you just post yours away, they'll post theirs, and you can swap. And I think that's a fantastic way of doing it because. Unfortunately, there's not a slingshot store about where you can go and just have a few shots with a few different slingshots. So, uh, it, you know, it will become quite expensive if you just buy in slingshot after slingshot and band set after band set. So, um, you know, either, as you said, meet someone, have a sh- have a shot of theirs um, or do, as I said, have a look online see if there's anyone out there that wants to swap. Absolutely. And I think I think you guys have quite a few of clubs out there, too. Right. For for slingshoting. We do we do um, the, certain areas have certain clubs, um, they have a lot of meets um, but for, in terms of social media, there are so many pages in the UK which can offer um, not only advice but um, slingshots and trades. but you know we're not as big as Canada, so even if someone's sort of two and a half hours away, if you wanted to make a day of it, you can get up early meet halfway perhaps and have a shoot um so yeah you, you know you've you've got that option and actually that's on one of the i think yeah it's, it's, it's the next question is um is when i'm actually touch on that is uh, by wayne hillier who says what's the effect of bandwidth on power and drop so he's using 9.5 steals so what is the effect of bandwidth on power and drop so we'll go ahead and answer that in a second but he also says what are the events in the UK in 2023 and how can he attend so on that one I wouldn't say there's one big event that you can go to um but just type into social media slingshot catapult catty, and then where you live you'll find somewhere um I recently moved to Scotland and uh, I didn't know where to start, and I've recently found out there's one in Edinburgh, which is about an hour away. They meet on a Sunday. It is as simple as that. Um, so don't think there's one big hurrah. There are big meets here in the UK, um, but you may be a distance away. But definitely, if you're new and you want to meet, just search your area. There'll be someone above. Um, So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and just answer the question on what's the effect of bandwidth on power and drop
1: That's, that's kind of an interesting one, and uh, I know that uh, I disagree with some other guys that are out there uh, over this. Um, I know a lot of people out there like to shoot twenty five twenty 20 for a taper, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get a lot of power out of that, but because you're shooting almost a straight band, you're not actually getting the potential speed you can out of your ammo by using a tapered band. Uh, you'll see often I shoot a 2520 uh, sorry a 2515 uh taper for my 9.5 steel. Um, the reason why I came up with that taper is I did a video uh, quite a while back on and I tested bands with 8mm and 9mm steel and 9.5 millimeter steel shooting through a chronograph, calculating speeds with a taper of 24 to 12, 25, 15 25, 18 and 25, 20. And you can actually see the results that for the, for the eight millimeter steel, and the 9.5 millimeter steel, you can actually see I got different results on speed. And this is how I came up with my 24, 12 to shoot eight millimeter steel when I'm testing. Um, I know that's not the, 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 the taper that I use on a regular basis, but I stuck with it. So if you're following all of my band tests You'll be able to see what the differences are because they're all maxed out bands and they're all at the same taper, so it kind of gives you an idea of how how speed uh, what the speed is uh, related to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did my test with the twenty five fifteen uh, with the nine point five millimeter steel, I actually got more speed than I did out of the twenty five twenty. But the big issue is. If you're in the cold, for example, like I shoot often in the cold, Mm -hmm. I need to put in that extra band, that extra weight, or like go up to say, like a twenty-five twenty, because I need to move that that ammo.
0: It's gonna affect. It's gonna drop, right?
1: Exactly. You need more rubber to get that ball going. Um, But in the summertime, I don't need that twenty-five twenty. I need twenty-five fifteen, and I'm actually getting faster results out of it. So, really. It, again it comes down to what you're comfortable with uh the reason why I chose 25 15 is I'm actually getting more speed with less draw weight and then than I was with the 25 20 because it actually kind of gets in its own way a little bit I find uh, there's other people that swear by it I'm not saying they're doing it wrong if it works for them that's good but for me this is where i this is where I lean to I, I hope that question got answered there I, yeah, it's kind yeah, of a I, tough
0: one too. I'd be happy. To explain. With that <laughs> so um that's it we've come to the end um i just want to say a massive thank you um for coming on today it's been an absolute pleasure um hopefully everyone listening or watching has enjoyed the show if you haven't checked out mark's videos on ato you need to do so i will put links in the description below um anything you want to say on that mark
1: first of all i'm kind of blown away that you invited me to do this this is so cool this is, like, really the – it's an amazing thing. Like, uh, I'm going to remember this for a long time, and I want to thank you personally for this. I wish I could shake your hand, man. No joke. <laughs> yeah, like this this thank was really cool. A lot of fun, you know? Well,
0: uh, well, hopefully, hopefully, with that, we can, um, you know, we can move on. I'm going to get um, a variety of guests in different areas of slingshot, but um, I'd love to have you back on again one day. Um, anytime. Just me. let me know. I'm here. Perfect. Thank you very much. This was much. an
1: amazing, amazing experience, I'm telling you.
0: Thank you very much. Have a good oh, thank have a you, great day. Yeah, you too. Take it easy.